Did you bring your Bibles? Amen. Let's make our declaration today. Are you ready, guys? You got it? Got a declaration? All right, here we go. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, we thank You today for Your love and Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. But most of all, we thank You for Your living Word. It is our life. It is the living bread. And Father, when we receive Your Word, we receive Your life. So we thank You for the impartation of Your Word and life into ours today. In Jesus' name, somebody said? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I think I gave all the announcements that I need to, but let me remind you, if you missed them, you can always get them. We have a Facebook page, the Solid Rock Facebook page. We also have our website and the email blast, so if you need to be on that email, then get a hold of that. If you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to continue. It's been three weeks since I've ministered, and uh, so we had that. We had Pastor, I preached, and we had Pastor Appreciation, then we had our, our Harvest festival last week and that was a blast and uh, so now we're back and I began gave you an introduction and uh, into the everlasting covenant and the week before that I preached a message on no more soft target Christianity and uh, the interesting part of that that when the Lord gave me that message on no soft target Christianity that week that was during the week just before the attack on October 7th in Israel and uh, some of the things that they had said there was that they, they had gotten just relaxed and casual in their intelligence. They missed some things. They weren't as sharp. Something happened. They didn't know how they were surprised. And so how many know the enemy always looks for a soft target? He looks for people who are comfortable, people who are at ease, people who, who kind of lost their, their press and their awareness of where they are. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to be aware of the times and the seasons that we live in. Amen? We're all supposed to be watchful. We're supposed to have our lamps trimmed. We're supposed to be looking. We're supposed to be diligent. Peter tells us to be sober, to be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we're supposed to have a diligence about us. Could you say amen? So we talked about that a little bit, and then we went into this lesson on the everlasting covenant. Because if you don't understand covenant, you will never understand the Bible completely. Our Western culture, we do not understand that. And so as we walk back through this, and this morning I hope it'll tie a big knot in some things for you this morning, but everything in the Bible or God's Word is in covenant form. This is the old and the new covenant. A testament, a covenant, a declaration. Amen? I was going to read some of the definitions, but I have enough in here this morning to do that. But if you look up the definition of covenant, it's a contract. It's an agreement between two parties. And it really is an agreement that is for life or for death. It's a sober thing. We, we get our, the, the marriage vows that we take are covenant vows. And it's two people vowing their life to one another. And so that's what God has done for us. This is God's vow towards you and me. This is God's declared will. When people say, well, I don't know what the will of God is, you hold His will in your hand when you hold the Bible. God has declared and made known. Now let me put you like this. The Bible says Peter and Paul both encourage us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I don't know why I had this thought this morning. Sometimes I wonder why I have many of the thoughts that I have. But I was driving up this morning and uh, I just had this thought because I was thinking about uh, the time change and we used to have to get up and change, before you went to bed, you had to change your clock and stuff. But now most people, uh, we have our phones and they change automatically at midnight. They go backwards for you. So if you use your phone for your alarm clock or whatever, then uh, you probably got up on time. Or uh, some people got up too early and decided to go back to bed. So they're still not here this morning. Hallelujah. But whatever the issue is. But I started thinking about that. Growing grace and in knowledge. But we've become a little too dependent on technology. And so I don't have to know as much because I can have some, all that knowledge is at my fingertips. So I don't have to really apply to know. I have access to something, but access to knowledge is not possessing knowledge. Just because I can access something doesn't mean I know something. 
It used to be before we had so much access, if you wanted to know something, you really had to study. But now I don't have to study. I can just Google. I can just search and I can get it and I don't have to retain it. I don't have to keep it up here because I can retain it or I can pull it back up anytime I want. Never train your brain in for a phone. Are you doing all right? Don't, don't, but we're becoming so technologically dependent and technologically controlled, technologically manipulated. You have to be careful. Amen? I'm just saying, oh, believe God. Well, you get to believe whatever you want. Amen. So Ephesians chapter, or Hebrews, excuse me, chapter 13. Is that where I told you to go? You're waiting for me. I'm running all over the place. Hebrews 13 and verse 20. Look at what it says. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of what? The blood of what? The everlasting covenant make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory forever and ever. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Actually, Ephesians chapter 1, then we'll go to Ephesians chapter 3. A couple more verses with you. Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to start reading while you're turning. Verse 7, in Him, or in Christ, we have redemption through His blood. We just read that, right? And again, Paul says we have redemption through His blood. Ephesians 1, verse 7, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery. Somebody say the mystery. But look, having made known to us the mystery, not that it's a mystery we can't know, but the mystery has been made known to us, according to the good pleasure which He purposed, where? Get this, in Himself, hold on to that thought, that in the dispensation, that He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, He might bring together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are in earth, in Him, in Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Go to Ephesians chapter 3, if you would. And look with me, if you beginning in verse 1. I'll read a few verses here. This is so good. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, that how that by revelation He made known to me the mystery, as I briefly, excuse me, as I briefly have written, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So that Paul keeps talking about this mystery that we're going to dive into, which in other ages, watch this, was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace which was given to me by the effective working of His power. Verse 8. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from the beginning of the ages, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. So there's a mystery that's being revealed now that was hidden from beginning of the ages. Who created, <coughs> excuse me, who created all things according uh, through Jesus Christ to the intent that now, somebody say that now. So watch this, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, watch this, to the principalities and powers where? So there's something that's been hidden from humanity, but it's also been hidden from principalities and powers throughout the ages. It's called the eternal purpose of God. Remember that, it's going to come up here. 
but it's now being revealed through us, the church, to principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. Hallelujah. So I know that's a lot of Scripture, so let's look at our outlines this morning and walk through this for a few moments. From the beginning of recorded history, wherever we find human beings, we find the making of covenant. From the beginning of his existence, mankind has attempted to forge unbreakable relationships to bring about commitments to honor the keeping of promises and fulfilling of obligations even unto death. From the beginning of time, man has been aware of a high love that does not come naturally to him, one that he must bind himself to with an oath. You know, we use it a lot. We say, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. But that's not the really kind of love we're talking about. There's a love that we commit to, and it means that I bind myself to that love with an oath. It is a dedication and a commitment, and it means even unto death. The question arises as to where did man get the lofty ideals that are contained in covenant? Who taught him that there was a love beyond feelings that was a commitment unto death. Most people anymore, when they get married, they don't want traditional vows because they don't want the till death do us part in there. And a hush came over the crowd. Where do we get that? Think about this. Who instructed him that he could aspire to faithfulness to his word that he bound himself to for the love of truth and for another human being? Where did man come up with the concept of an oath that was defined in terms of to seven oneself? And when we did the first lesson on this, I took you to Genesis. I'm not going to read it this morning. But Abraham and Abimelech, they came together and made a covenant. And they swore themselves together seven times through seven sacrifices that they would keep their word to one another. And as I said before, when you made those type of sacrifices... Even in Genesis, you read it with God and Abraham, where God said, bring a sacrifice. And, and we read where this is where Abraham never questioned God again. But he said, you make the sacrifice, you would part the animal down the back and lay him open. And then you would have to walk through the blood of that animal. And what you're saying, when you walk through that blood, may God do this to me and more. May they cut me down the middle, lay me open, and walk through my body if I do not keep my word to you. And from that moment on, you read where Abraham stayed there and he drove the fowls off and he saw a smoking flask and a burning lamp. He saw God's presence walk through that and he never asked God again, how can I know? That's why when Abraham offered up Isaac on the mountain, he said, the lad and I will return. That's where Abraham had the confidence that God would give his son back to him in resurrection. He was coming back off of the mountain because God had sworn in blood that he would give him his son. Are you listening to me? See, something would happen to us if we believe. Now, you and I, we're giving you principles of Old Testament covenant that was made in the blood of animals. But you and I have God's Son who became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the sacrifice for us. God walked in the blood of His Son. How much more sure should we be of His Word to us? If Abraham could believe for his son, how much more should you and I have confidence in God and in His Word? Amen. So think about this. So God gave a revelation of himself to the first members of the human race, revealing to them that he is an infinite being. His covenant of love, faithful to himself, and his word, and even unto death. That's who he is. He is faithful to his word. But he is the God who is bigger than our minds can conceive. When Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Now there's an area, as I said earlier, we're supposed to be growing in grace and in knowledge. But you can't just know God. He has to be revealed to you. And so the knowledge we need, we need the revelation knowledge of God. We need our hearts open and our lives open to God where we want Him to show Himself to us, to make Himself known and revealed to us. Could you say amen? So think about it. He must be revealed. Our minds cannot understand or ultimately even conceive Him. We can talk around Him. We can stretch our minds to their uttermost limit. Yet essentially we cannot comprehend God. 
wrap your mind around this. How does time contain eternity? You can't put eternity in time. But this is what God says. I'll put my life in you and my life is eternal. You are the only thing on earth in time that can contain eternity. Glory to God. Amen. That always gets me excited. So look inside your outline. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The land before time. I think somebody made a movie called that. They got it from God. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. Watch this. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. Watch this. Who has saved us and called us with a what? Holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. Get this. According to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. When? When? Before time began. Are you doing all right? Watch this. Before time began. But now has been what? Revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So good. So watch this. Throughout Scripture, there's a reference to events that happened prior to history. There is reference to a place before time and space. Or even before matter. Something happened there though. That set in motion all that we know. And experience today. This is what makes it so hard for man to grasp. And comprehend the existence of time before him. We think everything evolves around us. That God was so needy for something to do. He made us to be the center of his world. Sounds like some of our kids huh. My parents had nothing to do, so they made me. They needed somebody to be the center of their universe. Amen. And unfortunately, some people let that thought stay in the minds of their children. (laughs) I'm preaching real good. I'm not getting many amens this morning. So let me illustrate it to you like this this morning. Before time began, this is where we live. The Bible declares to us there is an eternity past. In Genesis 1, God was there before Genesis 1. Amen? God was there. And in that time, the Bible tells us and gives us in scriptures in Isaiah and Ezekiel, said that something took place in eternity past. There was a rebellion in heaven. There was Satan's rebellion in heaven. And God judged him for rising up. I'll ascend my throne above the Most High. So the devil exalted himself above God. God cast him down with a third of his angels into heaven. He deceived a third of the angels. They came down. So in that place and in that time, also in eternity past, there's a place where God made a covenant of the everlasting covenant. Before time, as we read, God made a covenant. And then God decided he would make man in his own image. And in making man the determination of that. But God knew that if he made man and he introduced him as a free will. So the only free will, which is God, decided to create another free will, which was us made in his image. We're doing all right. So he creates us in his image. And so then we have this place. And then so man is created. Get my piece of back here. At this place, so creation comes and God chooses to create man. And Genesis 2 says he takes man and sets him in the garden. And in here in this space where this is still before time, this is the parenthetical space for time here. So these are parentheses for time. Okay. And so in this space before eternity passed and the creation of man, there's a space in here in eternity that the God is yet. The Bible doesn't tell us how long God, Adam and Eve was in the garden. How many know it wasn't what we would call the first day? There's no time there. 
but it didn't happen. Here's the tree, and they go, okay, we, it, there, there's a space in there. There's, there, there. there's not time, but there's a space in there, okay? And so we know that, and so in that time, we know that the devil who is here, he comes and he sets a choice before man, and man chooses the wrong choice, and so we have the fall of Adam that takes place, and that's where time begins. Because God said, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Are you doing all right? And at that point, we enter into time. And so now this is where we are living right now. The Bible unfolds this timeline right here. And this is the timeline of redemption. From that moment on, redemption is being fulfilled. Okay? But the redemption was declared before time how it would come to pass in the everlasting covenant. God purposed redemption in the everlasting covenant. Are you doing all right? Okay, this is a college course. This is not ABC Christianity. Okay? And so in this area, redemption comes, but it's already been predetermined. Our, you, you were predetermined. God predetermined. God planned beforehand. All right? So before, God, God had a pre-plan. He didn't just figure it out. God didn't go, oh no, what am I going to do now? Okay? So he knows what to do. So in this time frame, and so in this time frame, some things happen. I'm kind of throwing a lot at you real quick. But in this time frame, we have God calling out Israel as his nation. And so we see that. And Israel is a called out people, and God makes covenant with them as his nation. Amen? And then we come to the redemption of all of humanity and we come to the cross and Jesus becomes God's man and out of him comes the church and the church we are in now, this is where we're living, this is the time frame that you and I have entered into and we're in the church age or we are in the time of the Gentiles as Paul said, he's a preacher of the Gentiles but we are called out people in covenant with God through Christ. Are you doing all right? And so God is keeping his word in his covenant, but everything he's revealed in covenant in time is based upon the everlasting covenant that we read about in Hebrews. Listen, in Hebrews it said the everlasting covenant in the blood of Christ, but it was purposed beforehand. Are you doing okay? All right. So I don't want to get too much more of that right now. So look back at your outline with me. Because of what happened there, we are here. Jesus is here, and the church, his body, is here. Before time began, covenant was made within the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and witnessed by the Holy Spirit as the executor. And it has been unveiled and revealed bit by bit throughout the generation until fully revealed in Christ. So now watch that. So we read in Ephesians 3, according to the eternal what? The eternal purpose of God. So that means that there's a purpose that goes from eternity past all the way through to eternity future that God is fulfilling. Are you doing all right? That's what God is doing. So there's eternal purpose, and you and I, Paul says, have a part in his eternal purpose, which goes beyond time. And so if I just think in the parameters of time, I miss it every time. Amen? And if I don't understand covenant, covenant is a vow made that cannot be broken except by death, under the penalty of death. Do you understand that? So listen to what God, God swore to his own death if he ever broke his word to us. <laughs> Do you understand that? that? That's how serious God's word is. That's why he watches over his, think of what he said, that he watches over his word to perform it, that his word will not return to him void. Are you doing all right? So watch this. So we have this eternal covenant, and that's the mystery that is now being revealed, but how by the church, but you, most of the church, we don't have a clue what's going on. Because we're caught up in whatever our little bubble of life is, We're consumed with that in the midst of this. And all we want to know is how do I get heaven into my little world? Instead of understanding, wait a minute, God has brought me into His glorious plan. 
to bring about his eternal purpose and to now reveal through my part in his church to principalities and powers in the heaven his mystery that's been hid through the ages. Glory to God. Amen. I get so bored with church. Oh, my goodness. Amen. So now what? So in this timeline, let me just get you, this is kind of where we are right now. How many have noticed anything going on in the news lately? So you're kind of right here. And so for us in our church, I put, for me, I don't, know, I don't know where everybody's at who attends our church. If you don't believe in the rapture, God bless you, stay here, have fun. Amen? But in the book of Revelations, there's 21 judgments from chapter 4 on. Bowls and vials and trumpets that come. 21 judgments that come upon the world at that time. In the beginning of the book of Revelation, chapters 1 and 2, 1, 2, and 3, those first three chapters, the church is mentioned 19 times. Chapter 4, verse 1, the angel of the Lord said, Come up here, and I will show you those things which must be hereafter. Those, write those things which are, which shall be, and which, are, and which will be hereafter. Amen? Amen? And so, the angel said, Come up here to John, and I will show you what will be hereafter, after this. And so from that point on to the rest of the book of Revelation, there's no mention of the church. You don't mention something 19 times in the first chapter, first three chapters, and then not mention if it still has significance in the rest of the, of the Revelation. Amen? And so what you have in the rest of this book in the seven-year tribulation is you have the judgment of nations. And one of the promises to the, to the seven church, I believe the third church there that is written, is that, that we will be, be will not see the wrath of God. And so this is the time of God, the wrath of God, the great time of his wrath has come, so during this seven-year tribulation. So we're at the threshold, if you would, that the rapture could take place at any moment at any time. People, I don't, we could do a whole lesson on that, maybe we will, after the first of the year, if we're still here. But if you're watching what's going on in Israel right now, isn't it amazing if you're watching the rise of anti-Semitism globally taking place? There has never been a time in history when anti-Semitism has risen to the place, anti-Zionism against the nation of Israel. There's never been a time when it's taken place on a global scale in every area. And people forget, this is not a nation's war, this is a spiritual war. There, there, there is a battle. When you go to eternity past, there was a rebellion that took place in heaven. God says, I need to redeem heaven, so I've come up with an eternal purpose and plan to redeem heaven. God is working His plan to redeem heaven, and He's invited you to be in the redeemed heaven with Him. But He's made you the way that He's going to redeem heaven. And so out of that, God ends up at eternity future, you end up with a new heaven and a new earth. Are you doing all right? That's the end of the book. And you end up with Satan being cast into hell after a thousand years. He's bound for a thousand years. He's loose for a period of time, deceives the nations again. Then his final judgment comes, and he's cast into hell for all of eternity. Are you doing okay? So it is dealing with him and purging heaven in God's righteousness and being able to do it. Is this too much this morning? All right. So now come back to this and watch. So there's a mystery made known to us in and through Jesus Christ. Everlasting is a word that refers to outside of time. Or in other words, there is a covenant made on behalf of man outside of time and apart from time as we read. Titus chapter 1, you're there in 2 Timothy, just turn a couple pages and you'll be there, watch this. Titus chapter 1. Are you doing okay? My problem is I could do this all day. I love it. But see, that's our problem. See, I, I just, I just want to... I don't want to know because I can just open this up and I can Google and I can find anything I want. I don't have to spend all this time, Pastor, doing that. I just go look it up. But you won't, you won't know it unless you dig into it. 
You won't know it unless you dig in. How I many know you can Google everything you want, but when it comes time to take the test, your phone can't do the answers for you. And that's kind of what's happening. I'm, uh, this is, this, I feel this to the Lord. What we've done is we've gotten so reliant on outside sources that we, when we come up against the tests and the trials of our faith, we don't have anything in us. It's in our pocket. It's got to get on the inside. You're supposed to receive. James 1 says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save you. It has to become a living part. Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you are none of mine. You, you have to receive me as your very life. I, I am an internal God, and I become your life, becomes part of my life. I gave it to the men the other night. This is a glove. And the glove is made in the image of what? You are, but, but, but watch this. The glove is made in the image of the hand. Okay, glove, do something the hand would do. Can the glove do anything without the hand? Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. Now, this will blow your mind, I hope, maybe. But the image of God that you are made in is the Lord Jesus Christ. Before God made Adam and set him in the garden, he formed the image of Adam in his son. Adam was made in the image of Christ. And so Adam had the image, but what did God set before him? He set before him the tree of life. So he was made in the image of God, but the life of God was still outside of him. And instead of choosing to partake of the tree of life, he made the choice to choose what? Knowledge. So God created man in such a way that he would have to choose to have his life in him. Adam made the wrong choice. And now Christ has come so we can have his life in us. And so when I receive Christ, I'm filled with Him. And now I live to fulfill His purpose. I don't tell the hand what to do. I have no life and no expression without the hand. What we've done is we've tried to fill our lives, our gloves. We think, if I just fill the glove, I just feel my life. If I just had enough money in my life, I could do something. But none of that satisfies, and none of that allows us to accomplish purpose. The only thing that allows us to fulfill purpose and have a sense of destiny is allowing our lives to be filled with the life of God. Amen? And now He gets to direct us. And there's so many different kinds of glove. There's so many different purposes for glove. But, but when I let my life be led by Him, and I live to be filled with Him, and Him be the director, then I have complete satisfaction in my life. Are you doing okay? Amen. Can I watch this? So watch this. Those words, Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says this, verses 1 and 2, Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and according to the knowledge, the, according to the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised when? When? Before time. God promised eternal life before time. Hallelujah. But has in due time manifest His word through preaching, which, has com which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Amen. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Are you doing okay? I know I keep asking you that. I just want to make sure. 1 Peter chapter 1. And you hear me challenge you this all the time. We used to be, before we had phones, we carried our Bibles and took notes. 
Now we just carry our phones. We don't carry our Bibles. We don't look around. We just kind of go along, try to pull it up, and you try to keep. You won't keep up with me on your phone, but you need to learn. And so, if you don't access, you got to keep access. And then I always say this again: every time you look in any of my Bibles, and you'll see, you can see the history that I've spent time walking with God in His Word. I spent time. There, there, there's, there's evidences that I've walked with God in His Word. I've spent time with Him. He is His Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word. To spend time with God, you've got to spend time in the Word. And so when I have this, I love when I get a Bible and it wears out, it breaks down, I've got to use another because I spent so much time with God, I've worn out His Word. Are you doing all right? But that's the way you get it down on the inside of you and you know where to find it. People call me up all the time. Say, Pastor, can you tell me where to find it? No! Go find it for yourself. Be interested enough to get in there and mine it out for your... Yeah. Amen. But see, we become dependent on somebody else to get it for me, somebody else to know it for me, and now we have such ease for my phone to know it for me. I'm probably not making any friends, but I never have in 42 years of ministry. Hallelujah. So, where are we? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Watch this. And he says this. And if you call, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct, conduct yourselves throughout this time on your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. The word foreordained means to know beforehand. So beforehand, before the foundation of the world, Christ was ordained and His blood to be shed. Amen? Glory to God. I know this is deep. I hope you're getting this. This is so important. If you don't understand this, then this is... Oh, my goodness. Anyway. So this brings us to the unsearchable riches of Christ. These are strong words that that declare Jesus as a lamb of sacrifice for sin was known beforehand, before the creation began. His death was not an accident, but it was the reason that He came. Amen? This brings us to the unsearchable riches of Christ. All I can tell you is, your pastor, next month is 45 years that I've been a Christian. December 13, 1978, I got born again. 45 years ago, I became a Christian following God. And I haven't even scratched the surface of all there is to know about Him. And He continues to open the eyes of our understanding. That's why Paul prayed, May the eyes of your understanding be opened and enlightened, that you may see and perceive and fully comprehend all the fullness of God. See, we will not know God until we understand love. God is love. The term is said is the word of covenant. It's difficult to translate into our culture, so we use words like mercy, goodness, steadfast love, loyal love, covenant love, loving kindness, or just kindness. We cannot truly love until we come to the place of sacrifice and the giving of ourselves to another and for another. We don't understand that in our culture today, to give yourself to someone for someone. Not for what you get, but because you love them so much, you would give yourself to them and for them. Or in other words, you would sow your life into somebody. What did Jesus say? John chapter 12, verse 24. Jesus came to sow his life into you. John 12, 24. Except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die. Unless it is sown into the ground, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Glory to God. So in re, even in relation, when I can sow myself into a relationship and I die to myself and I no longer live for what I get out of it, but because I believe that there's a harvest that will come back if I could sow my life, there's something that comes from sowing. There's resurrection on the other side of death. Somebody asked me, how do you explain resurrection? Easy, two funerals and a resurrection. How do you explain marriage to I me? Mean? That's what marriage is. Two funerals and a resurrection. Two people dying to themselves, giving their lives to each other, and being raised to become. 
And then out of that union, you live in new life. And the purpose of that union is to bring forth new life. The purpose of you and I dying to our old man and being joined to Christ, we are now one in Him, which is why God only sees you in Christ. When He sees you, He sees Christ. He doesn't see you. You live in an individual society that makes everything all about you. Well, that hurt me. That hurt my feelings. It's not about you, honey. It's all about Him. But we want everything to be about me because we come back to our little bubble of life. Are we doing okay? Amen. So watch it. We give ourselves to another for another. This love, this is love that gives. God kind of love. This is the essence of covenant redemptive love. The love of God on display in the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, even before time began. God said, I'm going to create man as the object of my love. I desire to be able to express and to show and to share my love with someone, so I'm going to make man in, our, in my image, and I'm going to make him in such a way that he can receive my life and we can then have life together, and we will be one together. Are you doing okay? And so God creates us in a way, and so He set His love upon us even before He created us, and He made a vow to us that so that if something ever happened to us, He could always redeem us back to Himself. Oh, to God. Whew. Amen. So watch this. But why a covenant before time? Paul explains that our salvation began before the creation and was dependent solely upon the Father making the saving agreement with the Son as a redemptive and substitute of His creation, of all of humanity. He was, Romans 13.8 said He was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the, or Revelation 13.8, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So God chose, watch this, God chose to bind Himself to us by His Word to Himself in covenant love before He created us. Or in other words, He chose us in Himself. Are you with me? Now to deny us or to reject us is to deny Himself. He formed a no way out plan of love before He ever started. Because He is love. He is eternal love. Psalm 15.4 says, he, swear, he who swears his own hurt and changes not. So we are redeemed into the place where covenant was made. We are redeemed into eternity. Redemption had to be made, redemption had to be made in eternity in order for us to receive the hope and promise of eternity. By choosing to redeem us before time, stay with me, he can thereby redeem us out of time. Are you listening to me? By choosing and making a covenant before time, He can redeem us out of time to Himself. So good. If God had let man choose to fail first and then formulate the plan of our redemption, He would not have been able to redeem us unto Himself for eternity. The best he could have had was just a good life here in time. And I submit to you, too many are living with the concept of God just giving them a good life here in time. They don't live with an eternal mindset. Think about it. This is why Scripture speaks of God acting. In fact, just go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. i get a couple more minutes. You doing alright? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Maybe this will help you understand this verse. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know Him no longer, thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is what? If anyone... When you get born again, you, are, you enter into Christ. Okay? If any man be in Christ, he is what? 
a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, watch this, who reconciled us where? To Himself through Jesus Christ. So you're being reconciled to the Father through Christ. How? By virtue of the covenant that made before time that He would be the sacrifice for sin to take away that which separates us from the Father. Watch this. <clears throat> through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, watch this. God was in Christ reconciling the world where? To Himself. Reconciling the world to Himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Paul goes on to say, as his ambassadors, we now plead with you to be reconciled to God. Let me close with this last bit here this morning. This is why Scripture speaks on God acting on our behalf. When it says, for His namesake, and salvation is calling upon the name of the Lord, or calling on covenant provision. This means that in carrying out His purpose, He is not motivated by the worthiness of the people. But He acts in accordance with the covenant made before time. Amen? Or in other words, what is God doing? In redeeming us, He's keeping His Word to Himself. Oswald Chambers says it like this. Our sins are removed because of the death of Jesus and the only explanation for His death is obedience to the Father in covenant love. Not sympathy for us, we are acceptable to God not because we have obeyed nor because we have promised to give up things, but because the death of Christ fulfilled the covenant and for no other reason. He was made sin for us. Jesus became sin. He didn't just come for our symptoms. He became the thing that caused the symptoms. Amen? Now let me, I don't know if I have time to go to Psalms 23. But I want you to think about this. So when it says, Isaiah, God says in Isaiah, I watch over my word to perform it. Amen. Psalms 108, 119. Go there with me. Psalms 119. Look at verse 89 and 90. Psalms, Psalms 119 is awesome. 176 verses on the surety of God's Word. <laughs> Psalms 89 and 90 say this, Forever, O Lord, your Word is settled where? Your faithfulness endures to all generation. You establish the earth and it abides. Forever, from eternity past to eternity future forever, your word is settled. It says there that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Amen? Go to Psalms 89. Watch how God, and maybe this will help some people wonder about what's going on in Israel and everything else, but Psalms 89, beginning verse 20. I have found my servant David... <coughs> With my holy oil I have anointed him, whom with my hand shall be established, with whom my hand shall be established, also my arm shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. I will beat down his foes before his face and plague those who hate him. Watch this. It's a covenant term. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. In my name his horn shall be exalted. And I will set his hand over the seas and his right hand over the rivers. He shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. <coughs> Excuse me. And I will also make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My mercy will keep him forever, and my covenant shall stand firm with him. His seed also I will make to endure for how long? Forever, and his throne as the days of what? Heaven. 
So how are you going to get rid of Israel? You are not going to get rid of Israel. Verse 30, if his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgment, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandment, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, nevertheless, my loving kindness, which is a covenant term, that means because God swore in my love. It's not based upon what you do. It's based upon what he's declared. Redemption is not based upon your actions. It's based upon his declaration to redeem you. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Amen. That's what he said. Nevertheless, my loving kindness, I will not utterly take from him nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone forth out of my mouth. God is a God who keeps His word. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to teach us? I'm trying to teach you that you have a God who has declared that you have a covenant. And if you don't understand the covenant, then you don't understand anything that's going on in the world. We have people think, this is nation, this is power, this is death. No, there is a power that is working in the heavens, and the devil knows he has a fixed time, and he's headed for hell. He knows that the timeline has been marching, and he's right here, right now, and he knows at any moment the Lord's going to return for his church and he's going to have seven years left and then there's going to be a thousand year reign and he is so close to the end of his demise that he's moving and the Bible says that he deceives the nations and brings them against Israel. That The Bible is becoming very clear. So all the nations are gathering. You're seeing it come to pass right now before your eyes. Nations being drawn together focused in one point. This little itty bitty speck on the mind. You know, you know how much Israel takes up on the globe? Less than that. You compare it to all the, you, you look at the 1040 window and you look at Israel in there, it is just this little itty bitty spot of land. And yet the whole world is focused where right now? And through all of that, God says, I, I, I will set my name right there in the earth. That's where I will set my name, in Zion, on my mountain. That's where I'll be. And all the nations of the earth, there's a day when all the nations of the earth will be going there to worship God. Are you doing okay? Amen. Go with me lastly to Psalms 23. I'll close with this. David had an understanding, and this was so sad because sometimes we may even misunderstand this. Psalms 23. Unfortunately, the only time we read Psalms 23 is at funerals. But it's not a covenant for funerals. It's a life covenant that we have with God. David had an understanding of covenant redemption better than anyone. Listen to Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. What? I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Wow. For His name's sake. That's a covenant term, guy. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What did David, he walked out in the valley of shadow of death. He looked at Goliath. He says, you are an uncircumcised Philistine. I'm not coming to you in my own strength with, with swords and fear. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. You have defied the armies of God, and I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord. If you understood covenant, when things are coming against you, you would rise up in the name of the Lord. What did Jesus give it? He said, in my name, you will cast out devils. In my name, you will lay hands on the sick. In my name. You have a covenant right to the name of Jesus. The same way that Jesus had a covenant right to call upon God and defeat the giant that was before him. Excuse me for boring you this morning. Amen. So look at what he said. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely. Somebody say, Surely. Absolutely, positively, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. That's a covenant declaration. That's where you and I are supposed to live.
Think about it. This was the covenant declaration of provision and promise in our life. When we understand covenant, the word of God comes alive. We have read this psalm. We preached it. We eulogized it, but hardly ever understood it. This is not something we have based on any merit in our own life. It's based on his love for us and his word to himself, in himself for us. What does God do? David says this. David messes up. David looks out on the balcony, sees a woman taking a bath, lusts after her, goes and has adultery with her, has her husband murdered and defiles himself, yet goes before God and repents. And then the child that was born out of that adulterous thing, God made him the next child. That was given to them. The child that was born died. The next child between David and Bathsheba is Solomon. God is a God of forgiveness and restoration because of an everlasting covenant. And when you repent, He brings you back into fullness of relationship with Him. Are you doing okay? Amen. So what? Look at what he said. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me by still water. He feeds me and prepares a table. He protects me with the rod and the staff. And he preserves me by bringing me into his presence forever. This is why Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. The everlasting covenant of our redemption is the prevailing word in all of eternity. It sets precedence over time, space, and matter. This alone brings every man, woman, and child into the provision of covenant redemption. This is the basis of whosoever will. God laid his, out his plan and now asks us to choose him as our covenant partner, as an act of our free will. That's why Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Kevin, could you just come back to the keyboard, please? Did you get this this morning? Man, I pray this gets down on the inside of you. If you're walking through life right now, I mean, there's, please, people, there's so much going on. Those of you watching online, I hope this didn't, you got this, it got down on the inside of you. You need to know this truth, that you have a covenant with God, that what's happening in the world is part of His eternal purpose, that God in eternity past is out redeeming the heaven, and He's called us to be a part of His redemptive plan. There's so much, we could spend hours and hours going to through this. But here's where we are. Listen where you live today. We've lost the appetite for God. People are going, how much longer are we going to go? This is, all, this is all the time I have for God today right here. I, I get this little, out of, God's, God, God's promised me eternity with Him. And I barely have 90 minutes. Once a week. Maybe. That was God affirming what I just said. There's two elements here. This one, this one represents his body broken for you. This one represents his blood shed for you, ordained to be done before time began so that you at this point in time could come into a covenant with God that can never be broken and that redeems you out of time into eternity with Him. It's powerful. But the reality of this can only be experienced with a vow. Without a vow of commitment, all you're getting here today is a very brief snack. This won't fill your life. A cracker and a small cup of juice won't fill you up. But if there's a vow connected to this, then Lord, I understand you gave your life for me so that I could receive your life in me. And I'm choosing to give my life to you. I'm choosing to make a vow to you and for you for the rest of my life. 
in the same manner that you've given your life to me, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. When you connect this with that kind of vow, really what we're doing every week, every month when we have communion, we're renewing our vow with God. We do it in marriage in special years, 25 years, 40 years, 50, whatever. People renew their vows. We renew our vow every month with God. Or as often as you take this, you're declaring a vow. He gave his life for you, and you're giving his life for him. Father, today we thank you for the body and the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you today that as we stand here, we understand that you loved us so much before you created us. You made a vow in yourself to yourself for us. That you would redeem us back to before you created us. Before we ever made a choice. You made a vow to redeem us from our choices. Back to yourself. By sending your son. To give his body and shed his blood for us. To become our sin. And nail it to his cross and pay the price for our redemption. So Lord, today we're here to make a vow to you to give our lives to you and for you as we remember your sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name. Will you come down the aisles to your left and let the usher serve you and go back around to your right. God bless you. only one thing <clears throat> that gives expression to a glove and that's the hand this could be filled with all kinds of things but it could never give the glove expression there's only one thing that gives expression to your life and that's the Lord Jesus Christ the life of God in you and that's what you hold in your hand bow your heads with me if you Father, today we understand we're holding in our hand the reminder of the covenant that you made before time began. That you would send your son to be the sacrifice for our sin. So, Father, today 
we choose to renew our vow with you that we will give our lives to you and for you and we will live for you and we receive your promise that you will give your life to us Jesus we receive you today as the bread of life broken for us to make us whole would you receive the bread with me Father, we know that your word says that it wasn't just enough for your son to come and live a good life for us. He had to shed his blood because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. But through the shedding of his blood, we're washed, we're cleansed, and we're now clothed with the robe of righteousness. We're covered and clothed with the blood of the lamb. And you no longer see our sins, you see his blood so you pass over judgment upon our life because you've laid it on him. So Father, today we thank you for the blood that has washed us and cleansed us and declared his righteousness upon us. We receive it humbly and fearfully in Jesus' name. Do you receive with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to be here and we're going to have a time of prayer. If you need prayer in your life, I ask you just.